Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, air travel on the rise again, operations failing to take the strain and Covid causing more Chinese pain. Demand is back, but can airlines keep up? And what does China's continued zero Covid strategy mean for its airlines and the wider market? My name's Graham Dunn and joining me is Airline Business Editor Lewis Harper. Hi Graham, how are you? Yes, we're going okay. I think the industry is well. We're in we're in ramp up, aren't we? It's 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 the great ramp up, but yeah. it's not straightforward. It's not no. So we pent up demand has become the the phrase we've probably got a bit bored of hearing. You know, over the last few months, even though it's a, clearly a positive concept coming out of such a huge crisis. Um, but yeah, the, there's a certain irony to the fact that um, as we look towards near Northern Hemisphere summer and, and airlines, quite a few in Europe, for example, talking about touching pre-COVID levels by some measure, um, that it actually might be issues within those the businesses and maybe sort of the wider air travel um, industry that might actually restrict the kind of industry's ability to serve that demand fully. And I think there's a throughout we've seen that there is this awareness and you know airlines have talked about it before in terms of how they could be ready to ramp up and obviously you've seen some carriers particularly the lower cost ones arguably who have been prepared themselves for this they've kept themselves more active uh, people like Ryanair like Wiz in Europe have, uh, you know a good example of airlines that have gone out of their way to try and keep capacity high be ready to, to, to ride that curve when it comes while other airlines very aware of the bottom line and especially those operating long-haul aircraft mm. a variety of flights have markets out uh, totally out of bounds but of course what we've seen is that you know no airline is immune from um, from the issues because you know not all the issues are solely attached to has an airline done enough to ramp up no that's the thing it is it's very hard to really get a clear picture as you said it depends on airline how they how they've handled the crisis and there clearly are factors here that are at play in the wider economy so staffing shortages aren't unique to the airline industry at this point but having said that airlines could see during the crisis that when domestic markets for example first china and then last year in the us when people were able to fly again they wanted to and, and quickly just so there's an extent to which you can say well the industry perhaps um got got the warning that this might happen and it hasn't responded well enough but having said that there are obviously as i say factors outside their control to a point so they, they may have laid off a number of staff and i think we talked in the last podcast about the issues around getting security clearance and the delays a load of knock-on effects across economies across government departments in terms of staffing shortages and getting back up to speed with something like normal operation mean that it's taking a long time to to get staff back in some staff don't want to come back in they've left the industry and and found jobs elsewhere that they're enjoying and obviously we know in the the air travel industry there are you know it's a great industry but in some ways you have factors like the hours you know are unsociable at times working weekends things like that so you can see how there'll be a proportion of that workforce that um, isn't coming back there are specific issues i guess we're talking from the uk with brexit we've people have left the uk as a result of that and those factors get all muddled in with the covid factors as well and it's yeah it's it's a bit of a mess and it is unfortunate when everyone's just been gearing up for this (laughs) and uh it's massive frustration what's hard is to to quantify it so it it makes good copy for the, the general media but 
I, I'm talking from my own experience. I um, I'm going on holiday soon, and I have my flight cancelled ten days out by a well-known <laughs> airline that um, uh, from the country I'm talking from. <laughs> so, and you do, you know, it is a big deal. It's it's kind of you know don't have easy access to alternatives. You're straight away looking at a, a competitor to to serve those flights again. So yeah, it's it, it shouldn't be taken lightly, even if it is a small proportion. And it's just a clear reminder that not only is air travel coming back, but also some of the problems associated with yeah. air travel, which are a kind of by their very nature, kind of related to it. Uh, You're right. But I think what was quite interesting in in Europe, obviously, in the past few days, we've had Lufthansa and Air France KLM and IAG, so the the three big network carrier groups, putting out their their outlooks. And they were all positive. Everything is about, you know, they they all largely featured this narrative around January and February were very um, tough as Omicron hit in. March... You know, they just couldn't really do enough. And then they're on this ramp up going forward and, mm-hmm. and, and all see, you know, profitability for the time uh, for the coming months ahead. And that's the, the the key thing. I think an emerging theme in the industry, I'm sure we'll talk about as the year goes on as well, is looking beyond this summer and into the, the, the winter. And um, there's a lot of commentary around the strength of the second and third quarters this year. And as you say, I think most of the big airline groups are hoping for a degree of profitability in that period. I think what will be ultra frustrating is if there's a ceiling on that because of operational issues. And then you're going into a much less clear picture, I think, in, in the Northern Hemisphere winter, where um, who knows, we, we don't know how COVID is going to behave when the weather gets colder, for example, in, in Europe. There's a lot of factors at play. This It's, it's far from ideal. You know, it's not just a European issue. Of course, we look at the US and again, it's a long term issue there with pilots and there's a but, but the pilot shortage again now that the industry is ramping up and airlines are looking be, even beyond 2019 levels of capacity certainly domestically and regionally in the in in the americas we're seeing that come back an airline like JetBlue cutting a significant proportion of its um flying to build that resilience into the network and i think that's yeah a lot, a lot of airlines are talking about that ba of course, you uh, within IAGs talked about that resilience. Resilience, resilience is the uh, is the yeah, <laughs> the evil twin sister of pent up demand. Isn't yeah, it? and I think um, so. yeah, we've seen resi- it has been interesting seeing you know some carriers who have taken the action as you say. JetBlue did that. British Airways uh, they had challenges, particularly at Heathrow, and and that's part of a you know there are separate battles around that at the moment um, mm-hmm. ongoing. But so British Airways are taking the decision to to slim out their networks. So they were hoping to be at um, pre capacity levels for the summer. They're now, you know, about 10% of their flying at Heathrow uh, will be cancelled, certainly initially, and then that's sort of slimming down as the summer progresses. So, you know, they've had to take, you know, a specific measure to take capacity out to be more cautious. You know, what was quite interesting uh, hearing Sean Donald, you know, he said, well, you know, they were the the first airline to bring people back to work after the pandemic, the first airline to recruit again. They think they have did what they could to get that forward. He was, you know, he was talking again about you know a lot of those complications around Omicron, obviously increasing sick rates, the, the whole recruitment place uh, process taking much longer because of uh, more stringent referencing requirements and so forth. You know, a lot of those factors which you know nobody could could have factored in and are, are sort of beyond directly beyond the, the airline's control. You you know you back again. This industry is one that's constantly at the at the whims, the, the fates of the wider industry and, and wider society. And here's you know on the one hand, it's it feels like it should be you know an overwhelmingly positive story that everyone's flying again, mm. but because everyone's flying again all at the same time, it creates operational headaches. Yeah, as this is playing out as well, we've got a sort of 
a worsening general economic outlook that maybe would be in the back of the minds of, of, of airline executives thinking about how heavily they want to go into kind of ramping up now if set the set the stall out for the summer because looking into winter as i mentioned before you know we've got issues like very high inflation cost of living in in lots of different um geographies is is a concern the uh covid situation in china i think we've touched on in a bit is not helping with the supply chain challenges which is itself creating more economic um, difficulties. So there's kind of a, a situation maybe where some airlines are thinking, well, we're comfortable with this for summer because we're not really sure where we'll be come winter, which, as we know, is, is, is never the best time for, for a, a lot of airlines. So. There's, there's, um, there's definitely a message of, you know, I think everyone's looking at the positives at present. And yeah. um, I, I spoke to, to Willie Walsh, the IATA Director General, a couple of weeks ago, it, it, and, you know, in his uh, very clear and sort of confident fashion, he said that, you know, if he was running European airline right now, he would be confident that demand would continue into the winter, into next year, mm. you know, and that, that supports that underlying uh, business demand. But, of course, you know, there are lots of factors that might complicate that. Obviously, rising fuel prices could also have an impact. Now, again, Willie Walsh and others in the industry have talked about high fuel prices is something they have dealt with before. I mean, fuel prices... Um, spiked, you know, during the last decade. And that period was one where airlines were more profitable or as profitable uh, over that period. Obviously, that will temper their thoughts around capacity. Yeah, as this is all going on, of course, you, you've got the Asia market, which is, is, is coming back if we ignore China for a second. We've got, obviously, um, uh, slower than uh, the other biggest markets in Europe and, and North America. But, but yeah, there's um, certainly the, the real kind of narrative has changed there over the last few weeks and we've got um you know singapore bringing down the um the cap on arrivals for example um so the biggest markets around china are, are coming back obviously australia as well um and yeah so there's there's better news there and they're kind of looking on presumably at these challenges um hopefully planning to to try and avoid them but um i suppose with with asia the the, the interesting question is going to be to what extent the opening up in asia remains an intra asia mm. story simply because of the the impact of not being able to overfly russia mm. in terms of what that means for routes yeah it's a very good point as we've talked about before we know that um while the the, the loss of russian airspace to european carriers is a is a significant development in some cases it would have been far more significant pre covid when the you know the uh, europe asia markets were a bigger part of networks but yeah we it, it certainly creates an interesting one for the um Asian airlines that are coming back because we know quite a lot of Asian carriers will will have relied on China flights for example on top of flights to Europe would not it would have been significant parts of their business model yes there's an interesting dynamic there I think what at the moment it looks like a you know without China and with that complication flight to Europe for some carriers it's there's a lot of thinking to do in terms of where that capacity goes and and again this is a challenge ahead I guess because at the moment because they're behind in the recovery there's kind of they can enjoy the the fruits of what they're able to bring back now knowing that there is that pent-up demand but there is a ceiling there that yeah both situations could improve with Russia and China but I don't think anyone's betting on that happening anytime soon so there's an interesting challenge there um, not so much maybe with with struggling to meet the demand but maybe the, the demand has a ceiling that um, didn't exist pre-COVID and that that's just a theme to watch out for I think. And what's quite interesting I think how to deal with 
with it. Might you might see some sort of temporary measures, which you know you you wouldn't have expected at all. Uh, totally unexpected. Whether that at um, uh, Lufthansa, where Carsten Spohr, their chief executive, was asked about um, how they were doing with that crisis, with the with the operational strain, and they, he was at pains to point out, oh, you know, we we haven't overstretched ourselves, and teased about that they still actually had you know, 14 A380s parked away in Spain, which they could bring back if need be. You know, that it clearly isn't plan A for the airline. They're not planning to return it to service. It's not plan B. It could be plan C, plan C, who knows? But it, yeah. it, but it's interesting that it's a reminder that, you know, that people probably haven't ruled out the most, you know, action they hadn't thought of before. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have EasyJet taking measures which you probably wouldn't anticipate from a, from a low-cost carrier. No, this is the thing, because obviously um, an EasyJet, okay, probably is, is is not the lowest cost of the low-cost carriers. Um, but clearly the business model is, is built around, you know, cram people into the, 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 the plane at the lowest cost. And um, so for their A319s, they're taking out six seats because um, under EU regulations, they can then cut their cabin crew down from four to three um, members. And I, that, that um, curiously, is literally taking the seats out because that regulation is based on number of seats. So you can't just... Not, not sell those seats. They're, they're insisting that as a minimal impact because they wouldn't ex- generally expect to to fill the um, the plane until very close to travel. So they're saying on already what I mean by that is already booked flights. Um, people are unlikely to have their flights cancelled because of it mm. because they wouldn't expect to sell those seats to the last minute. And of course, naturally, I don't think load factors are quite that back they to were, where yeah. they were anyway. Yeah, an interesting one for a low-cost carrier to be voluntarily <laughs> reducing yes. its seats. I mean, we know that the extra row of seats can be the difference between a, a flight, particularly when you're talking about low-cost carriers, it's all about those margins and that. That is a big deal, but it, I guess their calculation is we can keep these flights going now. And it's, yeah, I suppose reducing the number of cabin crew by a quarter is, is a big deal when they've seen, was it, 20% of staff off? Yes, or more, and I think the you know what it does show, or what it underlines, and I think we've seen this throughout the crisis. Most definitely, by the way, airlines kind of embraced cargo and the carrying of cargo during the crisis. But it shows you know the operational flexibility and ingenuity of the industry. You know, on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. you know, I think they they will work out and you know not afraid to think out of the box as to how they can keep flights profitable, keep keep operating. Because, you know, throughout this period, airlines have been, have been operating on a day-to-day basis, limiting the cash outflow more than um, the cash inflow. They'll be hoping for some cash inflow this summer, at least. Um, but I think it shows a lot of that ingenuity which does you you know does mean you are seeing airlines perhaps considering moves that under normal circumstances they they wouldn't exactly i'm sure part of that calculation is as well they can see competitors reducing their schedules because of result of this so there is a calculation there as well that we are probably close to the point where you know it's difficult to book certain flights on busy routes particularly to popular holiday destinations again not a new thing from uh, pre-COVID, we all talked about the overcapacity into Palmer, for example. And, These are the popular, yeah. popular holiday destinations the Harper family might be going well, to. Well, yeah, no, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to, <laughs> to name the specific airline or destination. But anyway, yes, uh, yeah, and what you're seeing there is, I guess there is a calculation that, look, we, we're already selling these seats at decent whack. We can live without those six seats. We know competitors are struggling to, to keep to their promises in terms of what they're flying. So, yeah, it's not a decision made in isolation in that sense. I think it, it fits in with um an easy jet case or if it fits in with um i guess the narrative happening with its competitors and yeah so it, it is a time for a bit of ingenuity and 
airlines are you know there's a limit to what they can do i think ultimately if your flight's not operating on a profitable basis it's not operating on a profitable basis but yeah the, it's an interesting example of stuff you can do around the edges i think doubt we see ryanair doing something like that i just can't <laughs> imagine it <laughs> no so um we've looked at europe we touched on it a couple of times but um after the break we're going to um talk about china and the impact of the zero covid strategy there If you're enjoying this podcast, why not sign up for free to get the weekly airline business briefing delivered direct to your inbox every Thursday. You can register to get our weekly briefing uh, together with any of Flight Global's other newsletters for free at flightglobal.com slash newsletter. So welcome back. Before the break, we were talking a bit about uh, the impact of China and in particular, I suppose, their approach, the zero COVID approach is very much being followed in uh, in China and, and indeed impacting Hong Kong and Cathay Pacific, which has really been restricting travel and and actually seems slightly strangely given that China was, was the first of the um, markets to sort of come out of COVID to some extent because of that large domestic market, mm. e- even that's struggling now, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's, it's such a curious situation, really, because we, you know, China was, as you say, the, in 2020 was the, the beacon of hope, really. You, you saw that, oh, actually, you know, a market in a, where there's a consistent set of rules because it's not, you know, multiple governments trying to decide what their, what their rules are regarding travel and COVID. That huge domestic market, which was you know, way over 10% of global traffic pre-COVID, actually came back and flirted with going above pre-COVID levels of demand towards the end of 2020. And then things started to go a bit a bit wrong there, and the US took over as, as the real kind of strong domestic market for, on, for similar reasons. What's happening though, now, though, is, of course, the, the evolution of the virus. So we've got a virus that's far more transmissible, um, and the, the idea of you know, attempting to control its spread is 99% of governments around the world have kind of given up on that. And within that, there are obviously reasons with, you know, vaccines have proven to be effective at certainly preventing serious illness if not transmission. But there's a situation in China where they're sticking with this zero COVID policy, even in the face of Omicron, which um, we all know the transmissibility there. They've stuck with local vaccines where maybe they're not as effective as some others. And they don't have the um, the high levels of vaccination maybe seen in some markets. So from the government's point of view, they're kind of stuck in a, in a really tough position where they're, they're committed to this strategy. And it's, it's tough to see a way out, certainly in, in the short term. And while that's happening now, we're finally seeing other parts of Asia come back. And there are still challenges, obviously, um, in North Asia, for example. But, you know, generally, the, it's really turned there in the last few weeks. And we're seeing those markets. And as they lift up, you kind of left this huge exposed market that's shut off from the world. And not just um, internationally it's the real big thing there I guess it's domestically that it's a huge market and it's, it's with all the lockdowns that are now happening it's that's been decimated as well so so it's so local carriers they've been hurting through this you know traffic levels below you know at a lower point than than they have been at various points during that pandemic that's a challenge it's a challenge in terms of seeing getting that predictability for service and is multiplied if, if you're uh, an international carrier thinking about should I start flying back to China or even if you're allowed to start flying 
Yeah, th- that's the thing. You, you, it was a market. It was a, obviously a, looking beyond Asia for carriers flying into China. It was always an interesting market because they would go into the big hubs, but there was always a feeling that there was much more to tap there if they could get the connections. So the secondary airports in China. Mm. <laughs> we talk about secondary airports in China. They're often feeding a, <laughs> a population of more than ten million in one city, and most Westerners probably have never heard of. So it's it's it undoubted potential there. But yeah, what's happening now is there are multiple concerns around this is is this going to mean a fundamental change in the industry we talk about you know just within the scope of, of the airline industry the reversal of globalization to an extent because if you combine that with what's happening in russia there's a really interesting you know dynamic i think developing where our airlines going to be more cautious about going in into china in future as a result of this and that's exactly i asked um willie walsh again i'm not <laughs> permanently name checking but uh, i did the interview quite recently and i asked him about that what kind of you know about the potential isolation about of china and 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 you know potentially hong kong as well and the impact that's having for someone like cathay you know that is difficult because you know cathay is had quite a tumultuous existence uh, even before covid but covered is obviously if you have Singapore opening up next door, you know, and, and the other potential transit hubs and stopping points and airports, and you know, if if you can't travel through uh, Hong Kong for a period of time, you know, that is a, a challenging step. So I was talking to Willie Walsh about this, but also about more generally about international carriers and whether they would be more cautious. And 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 yes, that's you know, he certainly expects them to to have a more cautious approach in terms of go, coming into China. Not least because if you don't have certainty as to whether those routes will continue, you know, is, are they going to suddenly stop everything again the moment there's a bad winter of COVID or so forth? No, it's, it's kind of, it was the place you would talk up wanting to be. I mean, the, the practicalities of that, as I say, were didn't always fall into place. But, and you'd look at Hong Kong specifically, and it's difficult to think of a market that has been pummeled more by factors sort of outside its control. But um, on top of the zero COVID approach you've got there is the sort of transition of Hong Kong to become closer to to mainland China um, politically, which again is, you know, for some um, businesses, maybe a red flag concern over, you know, whether Hong Kong keeps that kind of independent kind of spirit that it used to have. And if you add that into everything else going on, and we know Cathay had, has been um, directly involved in some of the um, the issues with protests going on there. And it, it really is, um, it, it's a long way back. And like you say, if people get used to traveling via alternative hubs, that it really is. I mean, Hong Kong, having said that, on the cargo side is, I think, was still the biggest airport in 2021 globally. So it's, it's it's strong there. And cargo, of course, is the other element to this because China, the lockdowns are having a different, uh, you know, another effect, which is similarly being felt across the industry, isn't it? Yeah, because you people will say that air cargo is quite a good bellwether of the wider economy because obviously it sees the the impact of changes that are happening quite quickly and it, it's. Um, how much it's you know fundamentally how much it's transporting and what what its forward bookings are and and we we're not seeing the best news there from you know from um, IATA pointed out that in in March um, demand fell for the first time I think since 2020 so it's been a a great time we've talked before in previous podcasts it was cargo kind of saved a lot of airlines during the crisis the switching passenger jets into you know all cargo jets temporarily and and you know and doubling down on that has has you know even some carriers has helped them to profitability while they were barely flying any any passengers and obviously dedicated cargo carriers, you know, even more of 
have really um, hit their stride. So it is a significant development that in March we saw that slight drop in, in demand. And I don't think that's um, that's an anomaly. I think what we're looking at here is yeah, the concerns about the global economy, as we touched on a bit in the first half. So And China, as you say, plays into that. So we've got you know, on their own you know, lockdowns in massive cities like um, Shanghai, has so many impacts um, beyond obviously the, the really tough practical impacts for people living there, but the effect it has on sentiment. In the economy alone, we're talking about you know tens of million millions of people in lockdown. The impact that has on you know, China is obviously a huge manufacturing hub, so that has on on production of goods, and yeah, which obviously then feeds into air cargo. But obviously, on top of that, you, it's not China's not the only place having challenges, as we talked about. You know, the the, the inflation rising fuel costs rising, cost of living rising, all playing into this um, slight, quite significant concern about the economic conditions and that they may persist for, for some months. So it's really one to keep an eye on. Yeah, as I say, I think the expectation is we're, we're likely to see a moderation in that cargo performance. And as I say, that doesn't necessarily bode too well for the for the wider economy. So airlines are able to enjoy on the passenger side this big pent-up demand and and a, a strong northern hemisphere summer really but that's again another reason why when we look into the winter yeah i don't think anyone should be making assumptions that that pent-up demand will will necessarily uh, see us through that on its own so plenty to uh, keep an eye on over the uh, second half of the year lewis thank you for your time today thanks Graham. and um that's all we have time for this time uh you can find links to the stories we've referenced in the podcast notes and you can keep up to date with all the latest on how airlines are faring in their recovery efforts at flightglobal.com and if you've enjoyed the podcast please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you again next time <laughs>